0: Welcome back to From the Peak to the Pit. I'm Allie Peak here with TJ Pittinger. And TJ, it is another early Monday morning. We're sitting around my kitchen table. Tell me, what'd you do this weekend?
1: So we braved the Florida weather and went to Disney on Saturday. And then yesterday, we, we really didn't do anything. But uh, yeah, we had wanted to go to Disney. We had some really good friends that were there, actually down from my work from Jacksonville and so we took my 13-month-old to Disney, um, saw Buzz Lightyear, and did Toy Story Land, and then we went over uh, to Epcot. My uh, daughter was lured to some of our friends with a margarita. She didn't have any, but she She def- is your daughter. Yeah, she definitely wanted that. Um, but it was cool. We, you know, she's young, and, and you've got little ones too, and Little ones on the way, but it's really cool to just kind of you know spend a couple hours over there, be so close, and then just come home. So, we had a good time at Disney, come ho- came home and watched football, not as good of a time there, which we'll get into soon enough, but uh, a really good weekend. And like I said, now bright and early Monday morning before we get our week started talking college football and everything else. How was your weekend?
0: It was good, we had um, our baby shower, which we talked about last episode happened to be right in the middle of the Florida, South Carolina game. So I listened to the South Carolina game on the drive to the baby shower. Cause it was like 30 minutes from here. It was almost halftime when I went inside. And so I didn't ask at the moment to put the game on because I was like, you know, there's 60 seconds until they go into halftime. So I'll ask after halftime. And honestly, I was so bombarded with talking to people and whatever that I never got around to asking. So I watched, None of Florida's game, which I think has to be the first time that has happened. I honestly can't remember the last time that I didn't watch a down of mm. Florida's game on Saturday. It may not have ever happened. I'm not wow. sure. It's It's been a very long time if it did happen. So a little disappointed that I didn't get to see it, but I have since caught up on it. And, you know, it wins a win. So.
1: Caught up on... The comeback, the complaining from a former Florida coach, yes. and, and a couple of other things. So, uh, now that you're caught up, I, I actually listened to Mick Hubert, uh, shout out Big Three Roll Up uh, alumni, um, call the first couple of quarters of the game on the way to Disney, because um, we live a good hour and a half away, and... So now that you're caught up, what are, your, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the win? Well, Mick
0: um, was pretty upset about that uh, PI flag that ended up getting picked up. I yeah. Think, and I want to say that was like the beginning of the second quarter. Yeah. Um, and that's he, just
1: atrocious. Well, but
0: that's is <laughs> he was saying that the call was atrocious, but then the makeup was even oh, more yeah, atrocious. That's even, yeah,
1: he said, this call is even worse. And, and I, forgive me, who's the guy that commentates with him?
0: Um, uh, oh, gosh. Um, shoot. Shoot. He played. He is a kid that played with my dad. Let me think. It'll come to me.
1: He but. Mick was like, well, the, the picking it up's even worse, you know. And the guy said, well, but it worked out in our favor. And Mick's like, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Mick was just upset with. Just the whole play situation, everything. That
0: seemed to be kind of a theme of the game all, is that both teams were upset about the officiating to begin, you know, for the entire game. Gator fans were upset. It seemed like more in the first half. South Carolina fans were upset. Um, There was a holding call, I guess, that didn't get called, that South Carolina fans really felt like should have been called. Um, uh, You know, my husband Eric was saying that he feels like Gator fans would have been equally upset had it been called. And so that means it probably was the right call not to make it. But Will Muschamp after the game, his press conference, hysterical. If you have not seen the little clip about Will Muschamp talking about the officiating, Google it, go on YouTube, find it. But he, I guess he's irate about something during the game, probably that non, non-holding non call. And he... Loses it on the refs, which is not really uncommon for Will Muschamp, although this season he kind of looks like the angry librarian when he does it, which I fully...
1: <laughs> the glasses are great.
0: It kills me. It ages him like 20 years, but there's something about it that just works for him in my mind. But, um, so he loses it on the ref. Well, the ref walks basically like halfway down the field and then throws a flag on Muschamp, which makes Muschamp just livid and so in this press conference he's talking about how like if you're going to throw a personal uh, flag on me do it at my feet you know be man enough to stand right in front of me and tell me and and the reporters are like well did you say something to him and he's like well yeah And they're like well did it warrant a flag he's like well that's not for me to judge but if you are going to flag me flag me and then at the very end he goes gutless (laughs) Just like you had to get that one
1: more dig in. It's so interesting, too, because, you know, one of my biggest issues with officials and referees in different sports, I hate, you know, in the MLB or baseball or whatever, when rev or I'm sorry, the umpires and the coaches go back and forth. Like the umpire is not there to argue with the coach. Right. That kind of, I understand that that goes back, but that just has kind of always kind of annoyed me. Um, but most officials like to show up the coach. They, you know, you right. think about the NBA. They like to throw them out right in their face. Right. You know, the refs love to, when they're throwing a 15-yard penalty on a coach, love to throw the the uh, flag up higher than the third deck and then it falls, you know, so dramatic. So for the ref to run away and then throw it is
0: is kind of gutless. Maybe like, come on, make the spectacle. Steps away that you take is how many you think you need <laughs> to avoid this coach beating your ass. And yeah. it comes to that. And Will Muschamp is one of those ones that I actually would go forty yards away yeah. um, because I I think Will Muschamp could probably take him. In a fist fight, I don't know that maybe you have that same feeling with some of these other coaches on the sidelines. Yeah, but. if
1: it's Willie Taggart, you're just throwing, you're hitting him in the head. With right, it. like you, he's not going to, he, he's never shown emotion it. in his life. So, <laughs> right. but yeah, some of the some of the videos and the gifts that came out of the Will Champ at UF era, and then really here in South Carolina too, are just fantastic. Cool. Like he. I mean, he wears it on his sleeve, on his face, on every part of it that he has.
0: You know, and for Will Muschamp, I, I know Will Muschamp, my brother played for him at Florida. He played for Urban Meyer for two years and Will Muschamp for three years. And we really, really, really like Will as a person. Uh, My brother would take a bullet for him to this day. And you'll find that most of his former players feel the same way. I've heard Ahmad Black from Stadium and Gale say some things, too. And, I mean, he he was a stud under Urban Meyer as as well. And so you could see where there could potentially be some favoritism there. But he loves Muschamp. And I think that outbursts like that are almost part of why his players love him because they feel like he's going to go to bat for them. He's going to stand up for what they think is is right and um I I don't know I think his fiery personality works for for him at least it does in my mind
1: I mean it's college football right like we are you know by definition a fan is a fanatic and right you know you're gonna want or you want your coach to have that same thing I mean you know you I can remember back in 2016 when that chop block was called on FSU and really negated a huge huge play against Clemson I mean Jimbo went off right and you know, well, cost us fifteen more yards, but you know we're all cheering. Yeah. yeah, go, go get him, Jibbo. You like, um, you know, go kick his butt or, right. or whatever you're doing. You know, right. so.
0: But I think the flip side of that is somebody like Pruitt where during, like, the Tennessee-Alabama game this week, and he's grabbing players by their face masks. And I don't know. I think that's the kind of emotion that helps you either, A, lose your team, or, B, gives your team a pass to lose it themselves, Yeah, there's, which I think we saw there's a There's certainly bit. a
1: fine line with it, it.
0: It's got to be – if you're going to show emotion on the sidelines or in the press conference, it's got to be – In defense of your players only. If you're going to rip your players, it's something that needs to happen behind closed doors. It's something that happens in college football. So I'm not knocking Pruitt saying that, like, oh, how dare he talk to his players like that. Like, I'm realistic about what goes on in college football. And if you think that he's the only coach that does stuff like that, then, you know, you clearly didn't play college sports. But I do think that it can really damage your team's psyche for stuff like that to happen in public in, during the game, where it gets caught on camera, where people talk about it and whatever else. It's it's one of those things that needs to happen behind closed doors.
1: Yeah. So on the game, so South Carolina went into the fourth quarter with the lead. Um,
0: and then Florida scores 21 unanswered.
1: Yeah. So South Carolina looked I, – I don't want to say they were dominating the game because it was just a three-point lead, but they looked to be just as much in control of the game mm-hmm. that Florida did. Like there was no clear – I mean, it looked like it was going to be decided in the fourth – but it, it, it looked like a coin flip. Like, it didn't look like either team had control of the game. And then the fourth quarter came around, and Florida just looked
0: well, infinitesimally
1: better. But of like.
0: The fourth quarter of the LSU game, Florida has been insanely dominant in the fourth quarter of this season. I mean, insanely dominant, and so I don't know. I think Gator fans maybe have a little bit of a different feeling about the fourth quarter this year than they have the several years prior to that. If Florida had been down by six points going in the fourth quarter the la- in the McElwain era, or even a lot of the time in the Muschamp era, that number feels... Feels insurmountable to those fans in that in that moment. I don't think that Florida fans get that feeling this year at all, which is a nice <laughs> change to sure. not feel like your game is over when you're down by six points. Um, I think the weather plays a factor in that. Generally, Florida teams are teams that want to play in poor weather. You know, they don't. Florida hasn't had a prolific offense in a decade, and so the concept that okay, we can just run the ball and eat up this clock, is generally uh, something that Florida would be looking to do. But since Florida hasn't really been able to establish a running game, I think that that probably factored in there. Um, But, you know, the difference between this team and, and previous teams is that they find a way to get it done. You know, it might not be pretty. It might not be what the original game plan was. But Florida has found a way to win. And at the end of the day, they have that W. And, you know, that's all that really matters,
1: right? For sure. Yeah, you go on the road and beat a team by, I mean, they won by 11, but South Carolina scored really late to kind of make that a little closer. I mean, in dominating that fourth quarter, I mean, they were, they were blowing them out. I mean, the game was not in question halfway through the fourth quarter, or maybe a little bit before that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you win a game on the road uh, Vegas had the spread really close five and a half six points you know you more than doubled the spread you win convincingly in a you sloppy game you score 38 points. With your too, yeah which
0: I do think I mean it's not a rivalry I had this um, conversation with some people on Twitter actually this year about this week excuse me about whether or not Florida South Carolina is a rivalry and I don't think it's a rivalry but I think that it means more to both programs than a lot of SEC games do. Mm -hmm. And some of that has to do with, um, you know, Florida needing a a blocked field goal to send them to the national championship game in 2006. I think a lot of it has to do with South Carolina just really not liking the fact that Spurrier was always a Gator, even when he coached there. Um, And so I think, I think maybe it's more from the South Carolina end than it is from the Florida end. But I mean, it's a it's a decently tough place to play. You walked out with a win with terrible weather, with a quarterback who, you know, Trask has gotten better every single week, but he has had some fumbling issues. He's had, you know what I mean? Like there's there's football protection in general for Florida's offense has been something they've struggled with a little bit this year. You add that wet weather in, you don't know what's going to happen. So I mean, I, we'll take it
1: for sure. Now Florida gets the bye week and then. A couple of weeks to prepare for UGA, who we'll get into a little bit later. Um, So the other side of the state. Actually, the other side of the Carolinas as well is where this one happened. Um, Did you get home in time? Did you see any of the Florida State-Wake Forest game? Oh, I did.
0: I watched the Florida (laughs) State-Wake Forest game. Biggest smile I've seen all morning.
1: So, (laughs) Um, Little tougher there. So Florida State comes out. Wake Forest drives the ball really, really well. Um, three or four drives in a row can't get in the end zone. Settles for field goals. Florida State takes the lead going into halftime by two because Wake can't finish drives. You Insane. know, like in the red zone, they
0: were uh, Wake Forest was it, terrible,
1: and it didn't look. And I'm certainly pessimistic about the way that Florida State's you know looked the last several years. Um, But really, objectively, it didn't look like Florida State was really doing anything special inside the red zone. Um, You you think a lot of times about that bend, don't break defense. Mm -hmm. That's not what it looked like at all. It really looked like Wake Forest got ultra conservative, um, stopped doing what they were doing to get down the field. And I know that when the field shrinks, it's harder to score. I I get all of that. But they stopped doing the things that made them successful. Right. when when they got into the red zone, and, and especially inside the 10-yard line. And so, you know, some credit due absolutely to Florida State's defense for bowing up and, and getting stops because at the end of the day, you know, you can't just say it's all on the offense for playing poorly sure. or all on the defense. So. You know, But Wake Forest really should have had between 20 and 28 points going to go into the half. I mean, they're not going to score touchdowns every single drive. Right. But they got inside the 10-yard line three times and came away with field goals. Got inside the red zone another time and, and came away with a field goal. And so, Florida State probably should have been trailing at the half. Um, they weren't, mean credit to
0: 14, them. 14-12,
1: right? 14-12 after four field goals. It, obviously, if just one of those field goals is a touchdown, it's already they, a different game. They lead. Um but then came out in the second half. I mean, Florida State has to be the worst Power 5 team when it comes to halftime adjustments.
0: It is we, we don't make any. They and are the worst I, second half.
1: It's, it's awful. And I think, the I, I don't know, I saw somebody on Twitter say that uh, we don't have to make halftime adjustments because we're the team that's leading. And it's just like... That's not accurate at all. Like that's just that you're leading, but it's kind of like fake, you know. But even we, if
0: you're leading, you're you're needing to anticipate that they're going the defense in. Defense is going
1: to make adjustments, half,
0: yeah, half-time which, time adjustments,
1: which they really didn't. Like right. we just, you know, kind of the second half starts. Um, you know, Cam Akers was absolutely dominating and just putting the team on his back, mm-hmm. running wild and breaking tackles and pulling off spin moves and everything else, just, you know, looks I mean, he's head and shoulders better than anybody yeah, else. That was a minimum boy from
0: the field out there. That
1: played that night. Um you know, we went away from him a couple of times kind of strangely. He did put the ball on the ground once in, in a play that maybe seals the game or a drive that maybe steals the game to, to go up two scores there because Wake's offense wasn't doing a ton. Right. Um anyway, you know, he fumbled so that's obviously on him, but you know, when you hand the guy the ball, thirty times, Well, like, yeah. The are more you touch the ball, and, and, the odds and, yeah,
0: increase that in something a, is going to happen that's not favorable.
1: In a nasty weather game, it's really hard to put too much blame on him again because he's the only reason we were in it anyway. Right. Um, some kind of weird play calling stuff. I mean, there there's some kind of rumors circulating that Taggart may have taken play calling back. I mean, who who kind of knows what what's the truth there? Hopefully, that's asked today in the press conference. Uh, today again is Monday, so recording this before that happens, but I would hope our beat writers, if they're reporting on that being a possibility, yeah, would ask that question, you know, and, and we may get a coach speak answer back. He may lie, (laughs) he may, you you know, which
0: would not be out of, uh, the norm for him this season.
1: One way or the other, you you have to ask that if you're reporting that it, it might be a possibility. If he has taken play calling back, that's absolutely asinine, and you know is just kind of a, in my opinion, another fireable offense, which right. we'll, we'll get into that later. But um, anyway, Florida State comes out, few minutes left in the game. Uh, Ice is their own kicker misses a 50-yard field goal. Florida State
0: loses in the most Florida State way oh, possible this season. Like I-, I mean, every loss is. For or not every loss, most losses are pretty much like unexplainable. It's literally like it's the you weirdest do it to thing. Yourself. You know the
1: old cliche like snatching uh victory, victory from the from jaws, jaws of, jaws of, of defeat. defeat. Yeah, we yeah. snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Um it, It's really amazing. Well, it was a fourth, a fourth and six, and we and and people say, oh, we took the timeout because you know, they, the play clock was running down. Well, they did get the snap off. So the the timeout came in as that was happening. So the snap would have gotten off anyway. Everybody was kind of in their normal, you know, rotation. Who knows if Aguayo, I I think Aguayo misses it anyway. He's not been very good, nasty conditions, 50 yards. I mean, he's still a college kicker. So, but then you take the timeout, which cost us 40 seconds at the end, you know. So whether or not he makes the kick, we'd have had a minute and a half left,
0: well, which and when an you eternity. see what actually happened at the very end of the game, you yeah. know that those 40 seconds, especially when you... So you, you don't have the timeout yep. because you called it. And then you also don't have the 40 seconds. And so you're rushed, you
1: and the end of the game and happens like that. happens. And sn-
0: two bad snaps yeah. in a row, which that, I was just like, are you, are you kidding me? I,
1: I don't know that there's a better two plays to sum up Florida
0: the... Florida season?
1: Yeah, well, I was going to say the Willie Taggart era in... It, it, those two plays, they weren't—they weren't even upsetting, right? Like, because I didn't expect to go down and score with 30 seconds to go. What were going at to a, give
0: yourself? Oh, a shot man, it was
1: just totally laughable.
0: I mean, Wake Forest didn't even like need to that. be on the field. For oh, those we, two yeah, plays, we couldn't even hold there was the ball. Like, um, and so, granted, it was wet there as well. absolutely the weather was the weather Uh, was not great
1: sounds like we didn't practice for wet weather um which is a quote i mean mean, that
0: is in chapter two of coaching along with the hydration so if Willie hasn't gotten there yet i I mean can you really blame him
1: yeah so tropical storm coming at uh, the carolinas and we didn't practice for wet weather but um it's just another another moment in the saga that is this florida state experiment that we've got going on and so Florida State drops one, gets two, it moves them to three and four. Um,
0: so we talked last week about how this was kind of one of those gut check games for Florida State where it could predict their, their season, that we felt like if they if they win and we felt like they were capable. And Wake Forest is a good team, so I don't want to make it like this was supposed to be a gimme game. I did think that Florida State would win, but I, I do think that Wake Forest is one of the more difficult teams in the ACC Mm -hmm. this season, but so how does that change your outlook, knowing that you were thinking that this was going to kick off kind of, you know, a little bit of a winning streak for y'all?
1: So, I mean, I I think if you just look at it game by game, well, let me back up. It really depends on a couple of things. Is the message in the locker room, has it gone stale? Um, Do the players respond? Are they still invested? Are they still bought in? I'd like
0: to know what the message is, just in general.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, too. So the most fortunate thing for Florida State at this point is that they play a terrible Syracuse team. And as bad as Florida State has been, as terrible as we've looked, they're a 10.5-point favorite this weekend at home against Syracuse. So Vegas is not often wrong gets things right, right a lot um, the line started out at wake or the line up until right before kickoff was Wake Forest minus a point and a half they won by two this weekend I'm not saying that, that Vegas is perfect but Vegas they've got knows. they've got Florida State winning comfortably this weekend nothing would shock us but I, I do think that Florida State is somewhat fortunate in the fact that they play a really bad Syracuse team this week. And, and I think I would be absolutely shocked if they lose. I think if Taggart's the coach on Saturday uh, and we lose that game, he is no longer the coach. I, I think they will make a move um, after that game on, on Sunday or Monday. So I think that, again, to answer your question, I think Florida State's fortunate that they are probably going to get to 4-4 four and four this weekend. Then they play a bad Miami team who we'll get into in just a second. So I think Wake is better than both of those teams. I think Miami is more talented than Wake, but they've got a really good opportunity to get back above five hundred these next two weeks. Go five and four. And then if they do that, they finish out the schedule with Boston College, Alabama State, and Florida. I don't think they beat Alabama State, but I do think they. I'm sorry, I don't <laughs> I think was they saying, beat. Really? I don't think they beat Florida, but I do think they beat Alabama State. And then that BC game's a, a coin flip because BC kind of looked good this weekend. We played them for that red bandana game. So, again, it, it's are the players still invested? Do they still care? Do they feel like they have something to prove? You know, guys like Cam Akers and Marvin Wilson aren't going to give up. So I think we beat Syracuse and maybe kind of get back on. The path to six and six, seven and five, but yeah, just really discouraging because if they beat Wake on Saturday, you know, I think they have a chance to finish eight and four. You know, I think they, you know, seven and five at worst, and and now it's kind of like probably six and six, seven and five at best. Um, but yeah, that was a really really bad loss for just kind of the trajectory of this season. You know.
0: So what are you? You know, you said if Taggart's the coach on Saturday, are you thinking that there's a possibility he won't?
1: As more and more, as more and more time, you know, I really felt strongly yesterday that there was going to be a chance at some changes. Um, I, I don't have some kind of elite sources or anything like that, but it just kind of, you know, things were just really quiet. I, I really think that that was just one of those unacceptable losses. Right. Um, I had heard things that, you know, if if we would have lost to Louisville, they were going to make... Um, they were going to consider making changes. Well, we beat Louisville, beat NC State, get blown out by Clemson, and then lose again to Wake Forest in another game where he had some very questionable decisions? Again, he didn't fumble the ball. He didn't, you know, who knows what the truth is with the play calling, whether he really did take that over or not. Again, hopefully that's asked. Um, I, I think that as time goes, like if something was going to happen, it probably was going to happen yesterday. But I, I think that um, – you know, if it gets to like noon or two o'clock, like if he does the press conference, he's he's here because you know we have a game to prepare for on right. Saturday. They're not going to do something right. on Thursday. Well, that's afternoon not fair. You're already putting right. the players
0: in a precarious position. And I'll tell you. So when my husband Eric Wilbur was playing for Florida, Ron Zook was fired midseason. Mm-hmm. All right, and um, it was after the Mississippi State game and this was a really um precarious situation for me to be in because my godfather was a trustee for uf at the time so he called me after the florida mississippi state game from the plane the private plane that he had taken up there and told me that they were going back to fire ron zook so i knew but i wasn't allowed to say anything to eric and um so they, they fired him on Sunday, even though the decision was made on the plane on the way home on Saturday night. And they had a team press conference, or a team, excuse me, a team meeting scheduled for like 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Monday, um, which was a little bit before they had to report for meetings. I don't know what time UF practices right now, but UF would practice like 3 to 6 at that point. They'd need to come at like you know, 2 or whatever. Anyway, um, at about 10 o'clock in the morning, breaks on ESPN, and it's on the bottom of the ticker, UF fires Ron Zook. Players hadn't even gotten the text message to show up for a team meeting yet. So they don't know if this is real, if it's not, and um... It, you know, Eric for uh, Eric had a very contentious relationship with Ron Zook. I'll say, um, I I loved Ron Zook, but he dragged Eric across the field by a face mask, you know, multiple times. Eric almost transferred to Miami during his time with Ron Zook. So not. You know, imagine next, these
1: cute little girls you have walking around in orange and green. How gross right? <laughs> you
0: know, well, that know, about Those were the two. Miami and Florida is where he had it down to before he finally picked Florida when he was in high school as well. Um, and, you know, they had Larry Coker, and they just won a national championship. Yeah. So it was a pretty – um, He made the right call. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, Our senior year, Miami didn't go to a bowl game, oof. and we won a national championship. So just imagine. But um, hmm. anyway, if there was a player that would have potentially been kind of pumped that Ron Zuck was not there – it, Eric would have been one of those people that might have been, but he was pissed because it's still your coach. At the end sure. of the day, you can fight within your family, but anybody else messes with your family and it's over. And so that is something that has to be taken into consideration when it happens midseason, because players, whether or not, even if they know it's the right move for the program, it's, it's like losing a family member. For sure. Um, and it makes it really difficult.
1: So, What are your thoughts – you know, so you – Florida State's never been through this. I mean, never in my lifetime, never in yours, um, where we're firing a coach, right? Like Bobby was kind of exited out, Jimbo left. We are – I, you know – if things change and we run the table, or if we finish seven and five, win a bowl game—I mean, he's gonna. I think he's gonna get another year, right? Like if we beat every team on our schedule, minus Florida, I think we're fine. If we get embarrassed by Florida and lose by forty, which very likely could happen, you know, I think it's there's some question, but. I will say that I think there's a path to 2020 but if we go six and six I, I think he's I think he's gone like I, I don't think he wins you've been through this with a couple of recent coaches I think there are pros and cons to not only this but just everything in life um, talk about UF firing mushchamp at the end of the year and saying like hey he's gonna coach out these last two last two games um, he coached out the 2014 game in Tallahassee against Florida State and then that, that was well-known. Ever They had made it public and made it clear that was going to be his last game. And then with the next coach, with McElwain, they, they fired him midseason after the Georgia game, correct? Like, mm-hmm. it kind of started to leak. And, and it's if Taggart goes, like, it's going to leak before they can tell anybody right. just because social media and information and stuff is so much more prevalent now than it even was back in, what, 05 when Zook was let go? And so – or 04? When Zook was
0: like oh, um, um, it was the 04 season, yeah.
1: So, what are oh, it? Does it make more sense to wait to the end of the year? Does it make I, and I have some thoughts on it as well. But, does it make more sense to wait to the end of the year? Is it better to just cut your losses now? You know, what are your thoughts there?
0: Um, I honestly, so okay, so three times that I've been through this recently with Ron Zook, I don't feel like Ron Zook had lost the locker room, so I do think. In theory, you could have waited until the end of the year and it wouldn't have been any more detrimental. However, they knew that they wanted to go after Urban Meyer and they knew that that was something that was going to have to happen very, very quickly because he was such a hot name that a lot of programs were were going to be going after Notre Dame, most notably. Um, So I think that that was done because they knew who they wanted more than that Ron Zuck had really lost the locker room. And, you know, it happened after a Mississippi State loss, and that's not the Mississippi State that, you know, we saw Dan Mullen coach to 10 wins, and, and it, it was a, a bad Mississippi State team. And that was during the time period where nobody good in the SEC was losing to Mississippi State. That was... Uh, that would be if Florida state went to Syracuse and lost kind of thing and so i think that's why that happened it was one it was going to happen either way no matter what there wasn't a chance they were bringing runs up back for a fourth year so they felt like we might as well get the Band-Aid off and try and get the coach that we really think we want in position. And if um, you remember, UF's president was matching at that point who had come from Utah and was familiar with Urban Meyer. So really, Urban Meyer was his guy as opposed to Jeremy Foley's guy. And this plan was you know, already starting to take place for who they, they wanted. Um, with Muschamp, Muschamp had not lost the locker room. And I think there was actually some debate as whether or not he should be given even more time. And, and uh, truly, I think, had Muschamp been given a couple of more years at UF, maybe gotten the right offensive coordinator in, in place, I think the Charlie Weiss hire is what really sealed Will Muschamp's fate I think that he thought in his mind Charlie Weiss is your offensive coordinator are you kidding me which is the same thing that most Gator fans thought at at first I think maybe that doesn't happen and he starts with somebody else Will Muschamp maybe still is the coach at UF I'm glad things worked out the way they did because I think Dan Mullen is the right guy for the job but Muschamp's not fired and is allowed to coach the remaining games even though uh, uh you know once he is fired and that's because that locker room believed in him 100%. Yeah. I don't know if McIlwain ever actually had Florida's locker room, but he sure as heck didn't have it by the time he was fired, which is why I think that that fire happened when it did. And I see some similarities between the McAwain little era at Florida and Willie Taggart in that the neither one of them takes personal responsibility very often in their press conferences. And I think that that is kind of their, their the, the dagger in the heart for, for both of those programs is that even if it's not your fault at all, even if you had a great game plan and your players didn't execute, even if your coaches went against what you said and called something different, you are the head coach. You're the person making millions of dollars. You stand up in the press conference and you say, I have to do better. It's my program. I have to do better. And neither one of those coaches Do that.
1: I've ever done that, yeah. And at the same time, you can take credit for the good things. I mean, you know, if if Kendall Riles or any of your coaches make mistakes or do things wrong, at the end of the day, that was your hire. You know, nobody says, like, oh, well, he did something poor. And so that's only, I mean, like, you made that hire. So, yeah, so I agree. So here's my kind of thoughts or take on it I care less about and not that I don't care about the players or whatever, but at the end of the day, I care less, this sounds terrible, about the specific players and and their thoughts and where the locker room is than I just do the program in general, right? Because those players are going to be gone very soon anyway. Um, I guess my thought would be, you know, you look at Florida letting – Muschamp, well, it's a little bit different because they announced that Muschamp was going to finish out the year. Like Muschamp was fired three weeks before the Florida State game. And so they could begin that search. Right. My question or my thought is if Florida State waits until Thanksgiving weekend to to let Taggart go after losing to Florida by 30 in the swamp, where does that put us? In a national coaching search because I right. think other coaches are going to get fired. I think the USC job is going to come open. I think there's a great chance the Auburn job comes open. I think there are other places around the country that are also going to move on from their coaches, and I don't want to be the last one again. You see the right. benefit that UF had by letting McIlwain go. They were able to jump on Mullen and get him before anybody else. Other places were considering Mullen. And so, I, th- I not that he may have taken those or not, but that's kind of where I see it. I don't think Taggart's the guy at Florida State. I think this is just a kind of another nail in the coffin. And I think that I just don't want to wait too long and then just get some other scrub at the end of a coaching search. Once the, once the carousel has already happened and then we kind of get in too late.
0: Right. Well, and I mean I, I understand uh, I understand that point of view as yeah. well and I think we look at things from from different perspectives which is part of why these conversations end up being interesting but I as I am the granddaughter the daughter the wife the sister of florida football players and so i do tend to look at things from From what's going on yeah Yeah, i sound like
1: i hate all the players right now like i don't mean like it's probably what's best for them too if we're being honest
0: (laughs) what you're saying for sure i think you also you have to take into account so these players are going to talk to recruits that come the rest of the year so if they're unhappy with the way that the administration is handling things or the athletic department as a whole they're not going to be your very best recruiters and so um, if they feel like this coach got a fair shake and it didn't work out that's a very different attitude coming from them than man our man got screwed or our guy got they quit on our guy or whatever I think it the amount of time that you're on a program matters some too so we're talking about we're a season and a half into Willie Taggart's Tenure, which in general I would say is not enough time. I don't know that I agree with that statement in terms of how it relates to Willie Taggart because there's been some things that have made me feel like it's probably never getting any better and so you might as well strike when the iron is hot. But in general, I do believe that coaches should get those four to five years to get their own players in and see what happens. For me, Florida State's cupboard wasn't there it's the same concept as Urban Meyer walking in with Ron Zook's players. The cupboard wasn't bare. Right. Um, they need a leader. They they need a leader. They need some direction. They, I mean, you can argue that Dan Mullen walked into a way more bare cupboard than Willie Taggart walked now. into, and recruiting class rankings would would agree with that statement. And I think you know, seeing what he has done in the exact same amount of time um, does make that spotlight hot. Uh, but I do think it, at least it, it matters what what is going on in the locker room at least a little bit. I and I get what you're saying. And if Florida State has somebody that they ha- that they in the back of their mind that they, they know want. they want, then that makes a difference for me too. Because then you might as well just pull hopefully the Urban. You are <laughs> crazy. so
1: yeah. No, that's a good point too. Ultimately, and I don't want to sound like I just don't care about the players or, or whatever. Right. Uh, I just think that's my main priority because at the incentives. end of the at the end of the day it's probably what's best for those players, too, whether they realize sure, it or not. Sure, and, and I'm kind of with you on that. Like, I really think that in a general sense, a, a college football coach, or really any coach at any level, you know, deserves three to four years to, to yeah. really get it going and figure it out. And a big argument that people have is, well, if we fire Taggart now – You know, the next guy is going to have to come in and clean up Taggart's mess. And is he going to be able to do that? And so a really legitimate question is, do you have more confidence in Taggart cleaning up his mess than someone else off the street? And at this point, I have more confidence in my 13-month-old to clean up (laughs) Taggart's mess than I do Taggart. And, you know, again, you said this last episode. He is the easiest guy in the world to root for. Like, you want to root for people that, you know, I'm the biggest Florida State fan I know. So I would love to be the coach of Florida State. I wouldn't know what I was doing. It'd probably look but a lot like this. But like the idea but of somebody yes, who is like,
0: a Seminole. Like, is, grew
1: up a Knoll, has always wanted to coach it. Like, that's just one of those college football stories that, like... You, you see him in a press conference in 20 years, or I'm sorry, like an interview in 20 years talking about how they won it all, and this has been his dream, right. and he always wanted to coach at Florida well, State. Now he's reached that mountaintop, and...
0: It's the same concept of Will Muschamp talking about playing football in his backyard in Gainesville, pretending to be um, yeah. you know Chris Collingsworth and stuff, which is stuff that he'd said. And those it does make it easy to root for him. Yeah. Um,
1: and but, but you can't just, train wreck. yeah, you, you, there have to be results. Somebody, my buddy Patrick well, tweeted. Well, it's starting
0: to affect recruiting, which means it, it's yeah. not going to get better.
1: Had a decommitment this weekend and then had two really big visits scheduled for next weekend or, they or canceled, this weekend right? that canceled. And so now it is affecting recruiting. I am hoping that the decommit that happened over the weekend does not open up the floodgates but it's hard to think that it doesn't, you know. I, if I'm a kid, I don't want to go play for this train wreck. My buddy Patrick tweeted, uh, "Florida State's top ten wins under Willie Taggart." I saw this, and uh, he could only list one through eight because over two, uh, over a season and a half, we've got eight wins total. Right. S- two of those against FCS opponents. So
0: um well and there's a lot of, of high school players that are looking at it not even so much for though we're not sure if we want to play for Willie Taggart but we don't know who we're committing to play for yeah will that coach even be, be here yeah right
1: so from one from one side of the coaching to the other um again this is such a play on words but uh really from the pit to the peak this way uh I texted you this yesterday is Dan Mullen a top five coach in college football right now
0: I think you have to say yes.
1: I am trying to rack my brain. Um, And I think if we did, and and share your feedback on this if you're listening and you think we're idiots, or if Allie's a homer, or if I'm just like a secret gator, or just whatever.
0: (laughs) All of the above. Yeah.
1: So my top five coaches in college football this season. So I'm not taking into account Jimbo's national championship. I'm not taking into account anything else that anybody else has done. Here's my top five. Saban's number one. Uh, I think Leakin Riley's number two right now. But, I mean, I'm fine putting him and Dabo right there at two and three. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go Saban, Riley, Sweeney for this season. And I think Mullen's number four. Um, what he's been able to do against a very tough schedule is just continue to win. I mean, obviously they dropped the game in Baton Rouge. Very impressive – I hate that I'm about to say this in this PC 2019 culture, but a very impressive loss. That
0: um, quality loss. Yeah, I, I got I that quality
1: loss under their belt. I hate
0: that too. But, they, uh, and that score is not indicative of that game. The
1: game was much closer. If, if trash doesn't throw a pick, down seven – in the red zone maybe inside the 10 I don't know where it was exactly but
0: two times they walked uh, away without points in the red zone so, one being from an interception through into the end zone
1: and and that's the game right like they made less plays than LSU did so LSU deserved the win I don't think we're arguing that oh, but yeah. the game yeah. was much closer so i mean Mullen has just been fantastic i mean playing with a backup quarterback again coming Major off of a good D-line season injuries. coming off of a good se- secondary injuries um, uh, guy's going Tony to the draft last the, year. The best
0: offensive offense yeah. that Florida had. He's been out for weeks.
1: Coming off of, I mean, they had a good season last year, but two years removed from a four-win season, a regime change, everything else that was going on.
0: Four wins to ten wins is pretty impressive with the same roster. Yeah.
1: And and Florida has, again, I I hate to say this, Florida has the best loss in the country right now. Right. Uh, a, a night right. game loss to LSU. Right.
0: Um,
1: a close game, the voters, the people in, you know, everything else know kind of what that game looked like. And well, so and it's
0: evidenced by the national media, not giving Florida any respect until that loss, you know, when they beat, we talked about this last week, they, they beat Auburn. And it's that Auburn wasn't that good. Florida still didn't get any real credit. And so I think you can, it says a lot about LSU as well, but you know, that Florida didn't get credit for being a good team until that close loss, because the, unbiased person that watches that game knows one how good that lsu team is Two how good that florida team played that lsu
1: yeah so i think mullen's a top five coach i think he's number four in my book um
0: he's done more with less than the others on your on your list
1: thank you siri um yeah no i agree and so then to round out the top five, I think you probably have an argument between, like, Orgeron, mm-hmm. uh, James Franklin, I mean, PJ Fleck right now, you know, Brian Kelly sitting well, and at 7-1. I
0: mentioned – and see, and I think Brian Kelly's out for me because I think you can, no matter what, every season predict a loss for Notre Dame against – a, and they have a pretty mild schedule most right. years. It depends on how Michigan and USC are – are doing, um, you know, and every once in a while they get a game like Georgia scheduled on their roster, so maybe, or excuse me, on their schedule, so maybe this year's slightly tougher than than normal, but I don't feel like Notre Dame has that intimidating of a schedule in right. general, and you can count on at least one loss every single year, and so. To be fair, you can count on one loss for almost every team. I, I yeah, I understand that. But I, I feel agree. like. I'm fine I, with him not Notre being Notre Dame, there. you know, I don't know. I don't know that I think he's top five. He could be. There's an argument for top ten for sure, but top five I don't know. But you mentioned earlier uh, to me before we started taping, does Ryan Day fit up into there? And I think that if this is two years from now, Ryan Day may very well be on this list. But this is a guy who took over an Urban Meyer team that was, you know, just has ridiculous amounts of talent in it and doesn't change the system very much at all. And so I think this kind of Yes, he is winning with Urban Meyer's players and Urban Meyer's scheme. And if two years from now they're still winning like this, then it's Ryan Day's players and Ryan Day's team. Not, I, I don't know if he gets to count yet.
1: Not that this would put him in the top five, but how much credit does he get for bringing Fields in?
0: I mean, I think, I think he think Because gets-
1: without Fields... Are they the same team?
0: Does he get the same, does he get the credit for bringing Fields <laughs> in, or does Kirby Smart get smacked upside the head for going with From instead of Fields? Yeah, that's a Fields? great question.
1: Yeah, so that moves Kirby out of the top ten. He's not even close. Uh,
0: you know, I think we again we talked about this last week. Kirby is potentially the best recruiter in the country. I think he is a very mediocre game day coach. Yeah, and uh, I think that we. Saw some of that on Saturday, you know, as well, which we'll get into in a little bit, but I, I don't think Kirby gets to be a part of this conversation at all.
1: I agree. I mean, I do think recruiting is part of coaching and so it's not fair to separate it. Right. Um, you know people say oh well Jimbo only won because he had a loaded roster well who got that loaded roster to tell well, us I was just you say, know if like, that's the
0: case Jim- that Sabin doesn't make yeah, the list either that's Jimbo was the one Sweeney that he doesn't make the yeah, list
1: like Jimbo's the one that got Jameis and Dalvin and DeMarcus Walker and Jalen Ramsey to commit so you you can't you can't take that away well, from him. but yeah. i agree like there's a difference we talked about last week there's a difference between the guys that are you know that on-field coaching is still more impressive than
0: it is. Than but if you else. handicapped yourself in recruiting and then overcame it by on-the-field coaching, like do you get more credit? I don't. Uh, maybe a little I, bit. I mean, I think Dan Mullen in this circumstance gets credit right now because he's playing with somebody else's players,
1: and he's and recruiting well he's too. Recruiting, like he's not. He's you recruiting know,
0: decently. I think that that needs to you know. Step up a tick, and I think that it will. I think that it's one of those chicken or the egg things. Like, how do you get the big name guys here if they're not sure if you're going to win or not? So you got to win with the guys that are, you know, mainly three and four star guys, as opposed to Florida doesn't have a single five star on the roster currently. Um, besides I, their head coach. Well, besides <laughs> their head coach, which uh, apparently X's and O's is overtaking Jimmy's and Joe's in yeah, terms of I love the cliché. Uh, you know, getting those W's, but uh, you know, I think Coach O is maybe who you put in there what LSU has been able to do and and maybe you only do it because you got Brady in there you know at, at the very least that's his coaching win because this is not the same LSU offense that we saw last year I, I mean my team sees LSU every single year this is I can't remember the last time we've seen an LSU offense like this
1: Man, you know, I know we're a couple of weeks away from it. We've got a couple of other things to get to. But speaking of that LSU, I cannot wait for that lsu Notre Dame game. I'm sorry, LSU-Alabama like, game. When is that uh, game happening? Yeah. <laughs>
0: LSU-Alabama. And, of course, they yeah. both have a bye going yeah. into it, which, honestly, I don't – it's very difficult for me to ever pick against Saban no matter what. It's even more ridiculous for me to contemplate picking up pick, – picking against him when he has two weeks to prepare. Yeah. Um but and I, at home. And at home. But I do think that this is LSU's best shot um, at winning in a long for time. Every,
1: yeah, and, and that I can remember.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I...
1: Well, because, you know, for years, you know, for years, remember the SEC was so much on defense, right? right. Like the, SC, the defense in the SEC is, to me, just, not that it's not good. There's still so much talent there. But they've followed the trend of the rest of college football in that... Our defenses are certainly not Big 12 level or anything like that, but they're not... Elite anymore, and the elite teams in the SEC have moved to an offense. You, but, you look know, at. Then
0: we have LSU Alabama games that are like six to three, and people bitch about how nobody <laughs> plays offense in the SEC. So it's one of those things where it's almost like the conference can't win. Oh, yeah, for now sure. Now they do have some offenses, and everyone's like, oh, oh their well, defense is you know, terrible. That conference is really just on par with everybody else. Um, look at how many points they're scoring you know, on each other, and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> what do you for want?
1: For years, though. LSU tried to out-Bama-Bama, Bama, right? right? Like They tried to have Fournette, great defenses, right. and you just couldn't do that. You just right. could not. Well, and and LSU, now LSU, to be
0: fair, has always had great defenses. Right. But, yes, I understand what.
1: And now they're still going to try to out-Bama-Bama Bama because Bama's all offense this year, too. Well, But it's a different kind of.
0: So is Tua back for that game, though?
1: I'm sure he will uh, so be, but, he but if had, he's not, LSU wins. So he's time.
0: having another. He had an, either had another yesterday or he's about to have it today another ankle procedure um which is an interesting i mean i don't know exactly what the timetable is from that i'm sure we'll get it from the press conference later today and again this is being taped monday morning so we haven't gotten those updates yet but i mean that makes a huge difference and they uh, that tennessee alabama game showed some flaws in alabama
1: for sure and so, supposedly, again, we're recording this pretty early on Monday morning. Supposedly, he's eyeing a November 9th return, which is the day of the game, right. of course. You know, they're not going to say anything but that. Right. But, yeah, if he's hobbled or, obviously, if he doesn't play, it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. Because, I mean, if he doesn't play, I, I don't think – I think LSU could go in as a favorite.
0: you Do know, you know, into know Tuscaloosa. that 10 of 14 SEC schools have lost their starting quarterback this season?
1: I gotta up that strength and conditioning. Isn't that a that's, a that's a that's actually insane an insane stat? stat. Right? Yeah, um, yeah, I can't even wrap my head around that. Right? You know, that's insane. Um, nobody in a better position than Florida with yeah, their backup. Yeah, with their backup, um, which
0: <laughs> no one would have predicted that, yeah, that you would have, have thought. Potentially. That,
1: well, Florida's fans, you know, hearts kind of sank. Remember when Trask went down against? Right. Auburn and, and had to go to the locker room. I mean, right. everybody came in and did a good job getting three points on that first mm-hmm. drive. But, um, so, yeah, that, but that stat of, of 10 of 14 is just insane. Um, keeping it in the SEC, Florida's next opponent, uh, UGA struggles again. I mean, granted, they did shut out Kentucky. I don't think the game was ever really in in, in question. But didn't, I mean, when
0: they go into halftime, 0-0 at the very least – Georgia fans, given what they'd watched the week before, have to to be a little... What
1: the hell is going on Well, and
0: Fromm was 9 of 12 for 35 yards. And look, I get it. It was raining. It it was raining all over the southeast, though. He's not the only quarterback that had to play in tropical storm weather.
1: He's just, I, I just don't, I mean, I think he's just overhyped, you know? I think he yeah. does things well enough. He manages the game well, well he enough.
0: he's one of those four original starters left. Think about that. Think about the position Georgia should be in offensively versus the rest of the league because they are one of the lucky four that haven't lost their starting quarterback.
1: I bet they wish they would have. <laughs> to, and Fields was still here because um, look how he's lining up. But... Yeah, I mean, I said last week, I said, I really think that that's kind of an aberration. Like, they're not going to play that poorly. They're going to get up for Florida. And they
0: won't play that poorly against Florida, but...
1: I, yeah, but I mean, your true colors are who you are, you know, and and I do think they'll play better against UF. I think they'll get up for it. I think that, you know... Coming off of a letdown of, a, of the undefeated season and everything like that against South Carolina, maybe it's not too in bad weather. I mean, I you know, Florida didn't look super great their first half either.
0: Right. So,
1: you know, I think they also played a better opponent. Uh, Kentucky and South Carolina, I guess, are kind of similar. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that Georgia is kind of who they are. Now They do get two weeks off to prepare. Uh, I don't know how much that matters, you know, on their side, just because I don't think that – You know, Coley and Smart and these guys are Sabin and Grant, I'm sorry, Mullen and Grantham and things like that, but they do get two weeks to prepare, rest up. But I I don't know. We'll get more into that game next week for sure. But I I think I'd like Florida to win that game.
0: I I think that Florida wins that game. Now, I don't, anybody that thinks that, okay, looking at Georgia the last two weeks, that Florida's going to win like 40 to nothing or something ridiculous like that, Georgia's going to play Florida hard. It's going to be. Mm, I, I at the most a fourteen point s- swing in my opinion, and it's probably closer than that. I wow. don't. This is this is a major rivalry game. This is basically to decide the SEC. Missouri dropped to uh, dropped a game to Vanderbilt um, this past weekend, and they still have to play both Georgia and Florida. And so, uh, truly this is it, this is the East, unless something wild and crazy happens afterwards. And Georgia knows that, and Florida yeah. knows that. The two weeks off, I do tend to think it favors Florida because I do think that Mullen is a better preparation and game day coach.
1: Florida's got more guys that need to get um, healthy as well. Well, and so that could be a huge off. thing. It's there's huge.
0: A, there's potential for Florida to get back, Zaniga, Grenard, and Tony. We haven't seen Kadarius Tony since... Like the third game of the season, and he is actually Florida's best offensive weapon. Um, Again, so,
1: besides Mullen.
0: So right, <laughs> right. So the idea that in theory they get all three of those guys back would
1: be huge. Is
0: huge. I don't think we'll have an NCAA decision on Britton Cox, but in the possibility that in the next two weeks the NCAA decides that he is immediately eligible. That's another huge shot in the arm for Florida. It's crazy to me that we haven't heard anything on that yet. Because, like, shouldn't there be a window of time to determine if someone's immediately eligible? If you've used the whole season,
1: why are? Yeah, I mean, it just speaks to the NCAA's incompetence. You know, why are some decisions made right away? Why some are much slower? I mean, I know what it is. It's ratings and money and everything else. Um,
0: it is crazy though, but, right? I mean, know, talking why is about, Fields
1: immediately and you know? Tate here and there, you know, why why are some things?
0: If he gets cleared, the first game that he would be able to play in because of where Florida's buy in is Week Ten of the regular season. At that point, so at that point, point, is it worth it? Yeah, right.
1: You know. I mean, he could, yeah, certainly play. I four mean, days, Florida. Listen,
0: Florida plays yeah. him against Georgia because one, Why he not? came from Georgia. Yeah. Two, their defense needs all the help they can get. So I'm not going to say they're not going to play him. But like, is that even fair to this guy? Ab-
1: absolutely not. What's the? Yeah, at this point, I think once you've reached this far in the year, you know, there's no point in even, you know,
0: grin, continuing. Just, to, just, yeah,
1: just let him play next year. Uh, Auburn looked really good. A team. I mean, they played Arkansas, who I think Arkansas is, is the, the worst, worst team in the SEC. SEC.
0: um
1: But Bo looked better. The team looked better. Um,
0: Wasn't it Nicks versus Hicks? That was I think Arkansas Yeah. Was part of yeah. It,
1: cause so Auburn looked better. Uh, they've got a big one against LSU this weekend. You know, so I, or a big game, not a big win. No, no, big one. Yeah, big, big game. W- um, against LSU, I don't. Do you think they'll test LSU at all?
0: I don't. But you know, they opened as a nine-point dog to LSU. You know, Florida opened as a fourteen and a half-point dog to LSU, which I find interesting that Vegas is giving more respect to Auburn than they did to Florida against LSU.
1: So my first thought there is um, LSU has the bye next week before Bama, but it is the game before Bama. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: my second thought as to why that spread is a little bit different is because I think Auburn's defense is what um, is what Vegas is riding on there, right? Like they think LSU wins, they think LSU wins convincingly, but I think that Vegas thought in a shootout game where where Florida and LSU are going to score points will take LSU bigger. I think they just think Auburn's defense will keep him in it, but I don't think Auburn covers that spread. Like, yeah. I don't think they will. No, win. I don't think and Auburn it,
0: covers that spread either.
1: And and the other thing is, LSU's defense isn't very good, and so Nick's may play – I think Knicks will play better against LSU than he did against Florida.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, at the very least, he has – some I mean it couldn't, well, couldn't get much worse. Well, it couldn't get much worse. One. Two, he does have that big game experience yeah. under his belt now moving forward. But I just thought that was interesting. I think LSU. Because was, though. I want to say, wasn't Auburn a nine point favorite over Florida? And then obviously Florida covered no, that spread. I think it was
1: three. Was I think it Auburn three? was a three point favorite.
0: I don't know. I thought it was more than that. I'll have to look up I'll look that up. But I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that somebody that Florida beat, it's it's Goes to show you how there really isn't any of that transitive property in college football like we like to talk about. Well, so-and-so beat so-and-so, so that means so-and-so wins. We which should win this by this much. Which, speaking of that, actually, I do have a, uh, a question for you, TJ. Oh, goodness. So, Twitter this week, um, and actually, let me back up for one second. Anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that UCF fans despise me, Um. And that's probably using like a really nice word. Ali's like
1: the nicest person that I know. So, you guys are.
0: That comes from. So, I've been covering UCF football probably longer than a lot of UCF (laughs) football fans have been UCF football fans. Um, I used to do a radio show. Longer than two years? Right.
1: Three years, sorry.
0: Right. I did um, a radio show for a few years, Morning Drive Time. in Orlando. And so it covered everything, but UCF obviously was one of the things that it covered. It was when O'Leary was the head coach. Um, It was well before they've had the recent success that they've had. And I used to always get accused of not liking UCF. And for me at that point, it wasn't that I didn't like UCF. It's that I felt like being located where they were with the opportunity to reach the kind of recruits that the state of Florida just has in mass and the potential for resources that UCF had, that their program should be better. Yeah. Um, And UCF fans will probably never admit this, but clearly I was right because look what they have since done with those resources, with the recruits from the state of Florida. But anyway, I, I, have some banter with UCF fans on a, on a regular basis. They're convinced. It's
1: the me. only way to get Allie to reply to you on Twitter. Is if you, <laughs> yeah, she is such an elitist that she will not respond to I anything do else. I get
0: called an <laughs> elitist a lot, actually, an SEC elitist <laughs> by these UCF fans. And, but if you talk
1: UCF, she's all about
0: it. And the thing is this, is that I think that UCF should get a lot of respect for... Um, For for a lot of the things that they've done, I think that two. Undefeated regular seasons is an incredibly difficult feat, regardless of what conference that you're in. Yeah, because
1: respective to your conference, I mean, you have right, the same right because you have level. the same talent no. level
0: as as your conference. And and if it was easy, more people would do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not something that happens on a regular basis at all. I think where UCF lost me was the whole national championship thing, and and also that I think that a lot of UCF fans one think college football was invented two and a half years ago. I can't tell you how many people tweet. Me and say, well, going back from 2017, if you look at these statistics, since when does comparing two and a half years of anything make any logical sense? If you told me let's go back 10 years, even if you told me let's go back five years, those I can wrap my brain around comparing stats in that way, just arbitrarily throwing me two and a half years because that's what fits your argument is not something that's going to sway me much. but, okay, so I, I, that's one of the things that bothers me. The other thing that bothers me is I think there's a huge difference between getting up for one huge game than playing that type of talent week in and week out. It yeah. is a different thing. and so
1: Especially in a bowl game, well, which bowl games to me mean absolutely nothing unless it's a playoff.
0: Well, and here's the thing. I, I know that UCF fans hate when people talk about like, well, Auburn didn't really want to play or LSU wasn't hyped up or, you know, or whatever. There are two different types of teams that go into bowl season every year. There are the teams that are at a bowl that they didn't think they were capable of making at the beginning of the season. So therefore it becomes their playoff game, their, their Super Bowl, their national championship. And it's easy to get that team up for those games because it means something and it, and it validates their season. Um, For instance, Florida last year making a New Year's Day Bowl. That was a national championship-like moment for that team. The team won four games the year before. But,
1: But, and on the same token, a blue blood, the most wins in college football history, Michigan was disappointed to be in that game. They had just got, if they beat Ohio State, which they got blown out, so it wasn't even close, but if they beat Ohio State, they're in the playoff. Correct. So they went, and not to take away from Florida's win or anything like that, but if, Michigan didn't want to be there. Michigan was playing Florida for what the fourth time in how many years? They should, in their minds, they should. I'm using air quotes. Have been in the national national championship. I'm sorry, in the playoff. You know, so it it, every bowl game is like that unless you're unless you're looking at like the 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 six and six bowl games at the the beginning of the beginning of December had any playoff
0: aspirations? Right. Whatever. Those bowl games
1: are usually. You know, pretty more good. But equal. The bigger bowl games, there's a team that's upset now, and there's a team that feels like I, I kind of no, thought and it was that's the same
0: part of the. That's a negative side effect that of this playoff that mm-hmm. we're seeing because before more
1: teams feel like they have a chance.
0: Correct, um, and you know, and before when we were voting on this by polls or or even the BCS uh, standings or whatever else, <laughs> um, everybody felt like if I'm really impressive in my bowl game, that's going to help where i finish and that's not the case anymore unless you're in the playoffs and so that it for that that fifth team that sixth team on the outside looking in it does something to you to your psyche um my brother on the 2012 florida team where they um they basically just barely missed um a, a bcs a, a, a major basically a, a a shot at a national championship. They had they lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Had they won that, they oh, are in the national title yeah. game. They played Louisville that entire week leading up. That Gator team was on Bourbon Street till six o'clock in the morning. Out. I Didn't... mean, I think the game was played on what, like a Saturday. On Monday, my brother was like, "Oh, we're going to be killed. We're we're literally we're no. going to get killed." So if you, but UCF and that was
1: that was. I mean, Louisville had Teddy Bridgewater at that point, but that was their Super Bowl. Like you said, like getting to play. I mean,
0: getting to play the getting to play
1: a blue blood in college football. I mean, it's the same thing when Florida State played Houston in 2016. I mean, they were that upstart fun team. Florida State didn't want to be there. They were coming off of playing or 2015. They were coming off of being in the playoff the year before, the national champs the year before that. They didn't want to play Houston.
0: And when you when you when it's a bowl game that pits somebody like a Louisville or a Florida or a Florida State and a Houston, or back a, to UCF, a UCF and Auburn, and UCF, LSU. LSU, that team that is that blue blood, not only are they disappointed that they're not in that championship conversation that they could have been the week prior, there's also a large part of them that doesn't want to play the team that they're playing because they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Yeah. If they win, they don't That's what you were supposed respect. to do. You
1: were supposed to beat right. them. And, and if, if you, you lose, lose
0: you're you're god awful.
1: Which to, to somewhat of the UCF fans argument, that does what that is what makes their scheduling so tough. It is, is It that
0: is. it makes UCF no, scheduling so hard.
1: Nobody wants to play them. Um I totally get. I mean, that sucks, but
0: it does. And I'm not one of those people that says something like UCF should should join a bigger conference. I think that's the stupidest argument that, and it's it's literally only an argument you'll find on Twitter. I think it's ridiculous because clearly, if UCF was getting an invite to the Big Twelve or somebody else, right? As soon as that happens, they're jumping, and as they should. And and I'm not even one of those people that thinks that they wouldn't do well there. I think that UCF could beat many. Power five teams, and I think they could hang with even more than that, but it doesn't change. Especially
1: once those resources and that money came well, in, and things that's, like that.
0: That TV there'd money. Be, there'd be a little changes bit. changes things. I,
1: I think you put UCF in the Big 12 next year, I think they struggled and, and go something like six and six, right? Like just, you know, well, depending on how they schedule out of conference, maybe they go seven and five. Um, there may be a step back, right? Like, they're going to lose Oklahoma. They're going to lose to Texas. They're going to lose to Baylor. They're probably going to drop one somewhere else along their way. They're going to have four or five losses. Um, but they'll take a step back and then... Two or three years down the road, take a step back up, and I think be competitive. I think be I eight think and four, so nine and three.
0: Well, I, you and know, big they're big never big... going
1: to compete with Oklahoma, but neither is anybody else in the Big Twelve. So that's not really fair. Well,
0: you know, the recruiting ability for the state of Florida is so much better than what the Big 12 has in any other individual state outside of probably Texas. So that's going to be an advantage to UCF eventually. It takes the money getting in, the facilities improving, but the recruits will come when they join a big conference. And that's another thing that UCF gets upset about. I had somebody tell me like, well, where do we need to improve our talent? everywhere. Yeah. Jimmy's and Joe's matter. They ranked I want to say like maybe 63rd last year in a recruiting class. There's 62 teams in Power 5 conferences. Right. So they're right so on that cusp. Right on that cusp, but that money does make a huge difference. It's the difference between a $3 million renovation to your weight room and a $155 million renovation to the your UF weight room. Just did.
1: Yeah. So you all of this UCF to say this how would, I mean, and this is what you would ask me, yeah,
0: right? This, this is the this question. Is Sorry, that was a that. long lead up.
1: <laughs> How, do, do you want to ask it? Yeah. Do you want me to answer okay. it?
0: So a, a UCF fan tweeted um, an ESPN um, uh, statistician.
1: And you. And Put and you on me me the same line. Tagged level. me
0: on it. But, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> ask the question of the ESPN statistician. Tagged me hoping he'd get an answer and probably hoping that I would. Not be correct with my probably, answer.
1: Just, probably but just delete your he, account. He said you
0: essentially it. UCF and UF played the exact same LSU team and UF lost by more. So, what would the line be on UCF Florida if they played this year?
1: So, obviously, the logic is terribly flawed. If we even wanted to entertain the logic, we're excluding the fact that UCF got to play them on a neutral field. I'm sorry, Florida had to play them in Baton Rouge at night. The toughest situation that anyone could have uh, as far as a road game goes. Uh, Also, you're excluding a lot of other factors. It's not the same exact team. Um, But even if we were to take all of that flawed logic into account and assume that it was correct... Uh, also taking out the factors of the bowl game and who's motivated and who's not motivated in those situations. You know, the question is completely off-base. But the answer to the question, uh, if Florida and UCF were to play on a neutral field this Saturday, uh, Florida would be a 17-point favorite in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I I think that's about...
1: I think maybe 14 because it's a neutral field. I think they'd be... I think it'd be between between 14 and 20, depending on where the game was. You play the game at UCF, maybe it's closer to like 12-13. You play at Florida, it's probably closer to like 17-18. And you play neutral, it's somewhere around two
0: touchdowns,
1: maybe a little bit well, more.
0: Well, you know, part of my argument was Florida and, beat LSU last year. Yeah. This is not the same LSU team that it was last year. And his argument was, well, they got better over the course of the the year.
1: Well, which so did so did LSU.
0: <laughs> well, no, the LSU, that's what he's saying. That LSU oh, was well, so better in their and... bowl game than they would have been uh, in October. But uh, if LSU was, one, way healthier in October. So maybe, maybe Burroughs improved as a quarterback and understanding the system from October to January. I could, you could potentially sell me on that. But LSU was missing a lot of their defensive starters that all played – against Florida
1: and and he's asking this question about the spread about the same UCF team that lost to Pitt and lost to Centy. And, and that's the question that he's right, asking right I think and a so, more fair uh a closer spread and I am not going to take my team here but a closer spread would be what would UCF's line be in Tallahassee well
0: it is a cl- of course that would be a you closer know
1: I think thread. I think UCF in Tallahassee right now Florida State kicks off as a three-point favorite yeah. S- solely because the game's in and
0: Tallahassee.
1: And UCF very well may cover that in upset, you right. know, looking at the, the disaster that, that Florida State is right now. But they're not anywhere close to UF.
0: Well, and you know, I think um UCF, so they had Stanford on their schedule this year, which when you make these schedules five years out, you have no idea that the team might be terrible by the time you you play them. I did have UCF people tell me last year that even if Florida scheduled them, how would they know that Florida would help their strength of schedule? Well, the, the odds that the Florida team you schedule five years out helps your strength of schedule are way higher than UCF helping Florida's five years out. But For sure. I digress. Um, so I went to that Stanford game. And again, UCF has no idea that when they scheduled Stanford, Stanford was in a New Year's Day bowl yeah. that year. I mean, they were a great team. But so my cousin plays for Stanford and I went and I watched and after the game, I, you know, waited to say hi to him and I saw the size of these Stanford players and, you know, I've spent a lot of time a- a- around college football players because I'm married to one and I'm related to a lot of them and stuff. And I was really surprised at how small Stanford's players seemed compared to the SEC players that I'm used to standing next to. And so I think that that would also be a little bit of a wake-up call to some of these, to this UCF team to actually stand on the same field as some of these big teams in college football because Stanford, at least this year, size-wise, isn't that at all.
1: Yeah, and you never apologize for who you play, right? Like I've learned that from Chris Landry, who does a lot of shows on our on our Big Three Roll Up Network. You you don't apologize for who you play for, and UCF made a really really good effort to to schedule well.
0: And we and talked it, about why it's hard for them to do that, and yeah. it's not their fault. They're and, just there's not a lot of upside to scheduling them for the other team.
1: And I don't know when they scheduled Pitt, but I mean, if it was four to five years ago, Pitt's been a. An average to above average ACC team. That's a good, that's a very good scheduled game for UCF as well. Mm -hmm. So for Pitt and Stanford in the same year, that's a good schedule. And it just kind of turns out that Stanford isn't very good, as evidenced by them getting blown out the other night. By UCLA,
0: who's also not very good. Right.
1: And then a Pitt team who is playing well, but is only like a 4 point favorite against Miami this weekend. You know who Miami's terrible. So, right. you know, you But can, again,
0: not on UCF. You yeah. don't know these things when you schedule these teams 5 years out. And they're looking for teams that are going to give them a home and home and we can a different show discuss the thoughts between a home and home versus a 2 the and neutral, 1 or, or, or a neutral else, or whatever yeah. else. But that they're Taking what they can get, and yeah, you can't knock sometimes. them for that, and you can't knock them for the conference that they're in, because again, if they could be in a bigger conference, and when the opportunity comes, they'll jump. So none of that is on UCF. I think that, I think that the national, I don't know, disdain for them really does come from their fans. Their, their fans, yeah. and maybe not fully understanding, or maybe it's not even understanding; it's more accepting. Kind of the way that college football
1: functions. Yeah. You remember um, in 2013 and 14, really even 15, FSU fans were insufferable, like on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. Like we got ranked the worst fan base by every publication that put that stuff out. But it was because we were winning, right? right. Like it's the same reason you don't like Patriots fans and right. Yankees fans and – Just whomever, right? Right. And Duke fans, which are also Florida State fans. But, you know, it's for the same reasons. And UCF was winning, but it just at a different level, right? right? Like, Florida State fans were insufferable because they were at the mountaintop. And UCF fans were at their... First time of the year,
0: Georgia fans this yeah, year were that way for me.
1: UCF fans were at their mountaintop, which they wanted to exalt above
0: They wanted it to be everyone's mountain. mountaintop. Right. And it and wasn't And that's what makes it
1: insufferable. And right. so, you know, stats are so deceiving. UCF fans are so great at pulling out stats. Uh, none of them are like the FPI stuff, like the opponent-adjusted stats.
0: Also, but, none of them include the 0-12 season from three years ago. Right.
1: So... You know, stats are misleading. Things like that are misleading. And so they're so good at crafting arguments, though, right? Like, well, if you take out third downs and you look at just positive plays on second and long, you know, we rank better than UF does in this scenario, right? right. Or we're, we're better than Alabama is if you count every time that there's been a first and five, we convert that back. You know, so it's just so, you know, very out there stats and stuff like that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know... They're just kind of insufferable. They kind of, you know, there's no logic. There's no reasoning. There's no like, oh, okay, well, we can come to this middle ground, right? right? It's just kind of this extreme...
0: Well, it's what happens when you discovered college football a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. But I honestly have started to kind of feel bad for UCF um, the last couple of weeks because you've seen so many people jump off the bandwagon, which is not how college football is supposed to work. It's not how the programs that have been along, around for a bajillion years work. They've lost two games. If they were to finish 10-2, and two, which is entirely possible— That's a hell of a season. You don't go undefeated. (laughs) Well, of course you would. You don't go undefeated every year. You don't. And so, if whether or not your stands are filled or your fans wear their UCF gear during the week has to Mm -hmm. do with whether or not you're undefeated, that's not a good place to be in. And that's not fair to real UCF fans who. You know, have been there from the 70s and who, right. who are pumped at, at the progression that has happened. And truly, even just from when we were in college, my husband is from Orlando, and so a lot of guys that he played high school ball for played for UCF. And so it was something that we, you know, followed incredibly closely. And to see where they've come from that point in time to now is incredibly impressive. And I think that you can be proud of that. But if you thought that that's what was going to continue for always, that's just silly. Yeah.
1: So we'll wrap up with this. Uh, from the embarrassment on social media to the embarrassment on the field, the only thing that makes me feel better about Florida State right now is how bad Miami is. <laughs> they are and, – and we could very well go out and lose that game to Miami in two weeks. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. But Miami is so atrocious. They are so yeah. bad. They were 18-point favorites against Georgia Tech uh, at home. I know that game was on. Actually, was that game on at, No, it was at noon at the same time. So I don't know if you caught any you know, highlights or anything. I did not no. you know. I've watched
0: them since, but I didn't watch it live.
1: Yeah, Georgia Tech scores on a fumble in the end zone by Nacosi Perry uh, to go up seven nothing. Miami responds. Uh, Georgia Tech then ties the game up with a fake punt. So they really kind of were in the game because of a couple of. You know, out there plays, you know, kind of crazy plays that that are not normal. Um, But then they got to halftime tied, right? Like they went in a halftime tied up with Miami. I think that caused Miami to uh, clinch up. I think that they didn't play loose. I I don't think they're very good anyway. And uh, ended up, you know, missing a couple of really short field goals. Had one blocked, had three inside the 35, uh, missed completely. Um, Got into overtime Ended up losing to the worst team in the ACC, Georgia Tech. Miami may be the worst team in the ACC. Uh, From a talent perspective, they're probably the third best team. But they are a bigger crap show than Florida State is. Again, it's the only redeeming part of this season. Our our biggest rival is a top... I mean, in my opinion, a top 5-10 team, without question, has a top 5 coach, is going to beat our brains in. My team is terrible. But at (laughs) least our – I mean, Clemson's going to go to the playoff. Like, everything that could go wrong for us this year um, is. And at least I have Miami to make fun of and laugh at as well because they're terrible. That does
0: make it a little (laughs) bit easier to swallow, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: I mean, what were your thoughts on this? It's not the exact mirror image, but – how much worse was Florida's 2013 four and eight season? Since Florida State was just the absolute world, it was bigger. bad. Like it it know, makes it worse. It like if Florida State goes seven and six that year,
0: it's it's and you lose to by five, think, you're just
1: like nah, bad bad year for the state. And like know? we
0: talked about last week, that's part of what I think magnifies Willie's situation and Diaz's situation is that Mullen is new too, and the the I think. I think you could argue that Florida and Miami probably had a similar amount of talent when those two coaches came in. I think you can argue that Florida State had more talent than either I'd, team I'd agree with that. when um, when Taggart took over. And so that does make it, it, does make it harder to swallow when you were watching your rival succeed. But not only succeed, but succeed when they were in the same or worse starting point that mm-hmm. you were at. Um, at the very least, when Florida was having their four-win season, it wasn't that – Florida State had just hired a brand-new coach that completely turned the program around. Yeah. Fisher had been a part of and doing that well. Florida State program. And yeah. Florida State wasn't – there There was no, like, huge drop-off of that. Then he just shot them back up to success. Right. Um, it, it is. It's hard to swallow. It's hard to watch the, you know, the teams yeah. that you love your, to hate your do rivals well. rivals do
1: well. And so –
0: so if Florida State drops that Miami game, you think Taggart's then just fired on the Absolutely. plane, Ooh. like they just leave them on the tarmac? The okay. I mean, it's a home
1: game, so I mean, <laughs> okay. although it's a home game when we play down there too. So, right. um,
0: <laughs> watching the fans in the stands for the Miami game this past oh, week was my interesting. Saw really some of the
1: Twitter videos where they're like beaten seats and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: talking about people jumping off bandwagon. That, oh
1: my gosh! Yeah, nobody does it quite like them. Nobody. The Twitter only recruits. Has, Twitter has been quiet. We started a new little. A uh, big group chat app called Discord. There have been like two Miami fans in there with the hundreds of FSU and UF fans, and so yeah, like they're yeah, no, <laughs> nobody decommits from from a fan base and a team quite like Miami fans and recruits. And
0: watching their alumni is really interesting too, because their former players are more vocal than probably any oh, fan yeah. base that I can think of either. And they once they've turned on you, oh, it's done. You know. Ta-
1: I I I think Taggers fate is sealed again minus some kind of a weird turnaround this year but i certainly think diaz is already sealed which is crazy because we're just seven games in Mm -hmm. but i don't think he makes it i I, stranger things have happened for sure but i think he gets two more years and and he's out as well because i I don't think they improve but uh speaking of that miami plays pit this weekend uh at noon and we are going to bay cannon brewery to watch that um, on saturday so my buddy Matt opened up a brewery in West Tampa. It's twenty one oh six. If you're in the Tampa area, we are going there on Saturday. They doing a they are doing a tailgate style uh, cookout with bratwurst. I think the deal is you get a bratwurst and a beer for seven bucks. Most of their Can't beers be are like yeah, most of their beers are like five six bucks on the menu anyway. So and it's a craft beer. It's not like it's not a White Claw or a Natty Light or something <laughs> like that. Like it's a real beer, like an IPA or uh stout or kind of whatever you're looking for but a beer a beer and a brat for seven bucks um yeah that is the best deal in tampa so we're going to be out there from like 11 to 2 11 to 3 watching that first window of games um the Wisconsin, i
0: wisconsin yeah, during that
1: that was looking like it was going to be a good game game day was probably going to go there right but north they dakota that. state is so yeah. happy that
0: wisconsin lost because they so, get game
1: day so disappointed but because that game will probably be a blowout i'll be more focused on the miami pit game at noon Uh, hoping that my Panthers can can bring home a victory.
0: Your Panthers? Oh, are we jumping? You're just getting recruited to all the fan bases.
1: If if you're a Pitt fan and you want to overnight me something before the game, (laughs) I will wear it on Saturday for for you guys' game. So... Uh, really, horn myself out there. So, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: any other weekend plans for you this weekend besides that?
0: Um, we got trunk or treated our preschool on Sunday. We'll be turning the minivan yes. into Candyland. Um, but no, we're just gonna watch football all day on Saturday. It's kind of nice to not have to worry about stressing about your team. It's Florida's bye. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to be able to just watch other things happen and not you know not worry so much about that but well,
1: i'll, I'll bring a 13 month old after the brewery and uh over after Perfect. the brewery so that you can stress about you know uh, about your, your kids jumping on top of her and beating her up and stuff they'll,
0: so. uh, they'll toughen her up for <laughs> yeah, sure
1: no kidding throw her off the Karen's gonna
0: be like and we're that. not having any more children this we're is, never this going
1: is back to those crazy. people's house again <laughs>
0: I, yeah, when you have when you have this many kids, you just your level of uh, tolerance for craziness is just really high.
1: Yeah, I was over last week, and all these kids were like jumping all over and standing on the table and standing on the counters and stuff, and. I'm like, oh my gosh! Is everything in there? Allie and Eric aren't even phased by this. Ah, well, this is a normal Tuesday. Don't worry about it. So. Just
0: wait till you have five year olds. It is um, a whole new world, and you kind of, I think, especially with twins, you just you have to look at whatever situation is more dangerous and go after that child. So then the first one gets away with a lot more than maybe yeah. they would if they were an only child. It's tough
1: to focus. on Conquer both and of them. you know. Yeah.
0: Hey, but knock on wood, we stay out of the hospital. We we, we you know. <laughs> We're good over here.
1: Yeah. How many more weeks to go for you?
0: I have four and a half weeks.
1: We are getting close. By that time, uh, we'll know where U.S. stands. Right. We'll know if FSU still has a coach. And we'll know if Miami is... It is is
0: the week of Florida, Florida State. Wow.
1: And we'll know... Which, yeah, I think his fate will be sealed before that 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 game. anyway. And we'll know if Miami's making a bowl or not. Yeah. So we've got a lot. A lot. And, you know couple more lives being born in the world. So that's, that's that, exciting. That'll too. be a good week.
0: Yeah, we will know if Florida's in the SEC championship game, which is I, You know,
1: okay, Interesting. La- last thing I'm going to say, we had a caller yesterday on Same Energy Sunday who it calls in from London. We call him London Silk. Um, <laughs> he said that if Florida beats Georgia, he'll, book it, he'll come to Atlanta for the game, for the SEC championship. And I really want to meet him. Like, he was supposed to come in for Orlando, but the uh, schedule... Uh, getting switched like totally screwed him over. So, is this
0: your way of becoming a Florida fan? Because then you can justify it. A by couple of things: wanting to meet London Silk.
1: I want to meet him. Um, so, the only way for that to happen is for Florida to win. And if Florida has a game the week after they play FSU, maybe they take their starters out in the third quarter like Dabo did and too. Yeah. So maybe we, you know,
0: maybe There's a, we're, there's a great chance that maybe
1: happens. we get embarrassed by less. So. Again, not to... Okay, I just said some good things about you Florida fans. Flo, I don't think Florida's beating Alabama or LSU in that championship game, so it doesn't really matter to me. Like, it's just another chance to cheer against Florida. So why not? Go to the SEC championship game. I'm totally okay with that. I'm not going to wear orange and blue when I go to Jacksonville in two weeks, but if you guys win, I will not be upset about it for several reasons. fan
0: sends him a t-shirt, and then, like you said, he'll wear himself out and If wear it's a it. cool
1: enough t-shirt... No, nah, I'm not doing it. Maybe the Trask one that Annie has out there. Right. Like, if you can do that in black and white so that I don't have to actually wear the colors of orange and blue, I'll wear that T-shirt. So if you can do that black and white, I'll wear it.
0: Well, and I will tell you, way too early prediction, if Florida goes, they don't beat Alabama, but they do beat LSU. Ooh, I like it. Which we have lots of weeks to talk about <laughs> that. And, and obviously November 9th plays a huge role in what's going on there, and uh, obviously the second as well, because it'll, it'll either be Florida or Georgia. In that game, in that game, for sure. No. Well, anyways. cool.
1: Well. All right. Well, good this one? was
0: fun. Yeah. yeah. Guys, make sure that you tweet us. Um, you know, or whatever. If you still send, send comments on Facebook, you can do that too. But we'd love to hear your <laughs> feedback. We want to know what you think of the show. If there's something you want us to talk about, I was I was kind of excited about the UCF question being tweeted to me just because I thought it was. You know interesting and off the wall conversation so yeah if you have something to say to us let us know
1: yeah you guys asking questions make let makes less work for us because we have to prepare less so and really uh, tj because
0: he <laughs> does the work and then just comes to my house and then i just talk so yeah. so, so do him a favor
1: yeah so let us know if there's anything we could answer or talk about or laugh about or make fun of and uh even if it's even if it's me or us or whatever so um but yeah we'll be back next week we'll do it again